so I will not be preaching on that. <laughs> Would not touch that with a 10-foot pole right now. Uh, but I don't, I will say, I don't think it's what it sounds like, uh, particularly in context of this reading from Deuteronomy, which I am going to preach on. Choose life. Choose life, it says. Where have I heard that? Oh, yeah. Bumper stickers, billboards, placards as the tagline of the pro-life movement. Pithy, communicative, only it also probably doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. Today, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. It's not about abortion. It's not even about birth itself. Life and birth are different things, related, obviously, of course, but different. And if we just go with a surface-level meaning of that phrase, we will also need to choose to completely repudiate the death penalty. I'm open to that. Anyone else? Probably would lead us down another path, the other thorny end-of-life issues, if we are 100% choosing life every time. It does mean that. It does mean that we're to choose literal life. But also, it's about so much more than that. Scripture is always about so much more than that. It's not limited to a single cause. Choosing life is a way of being. Perhaps some of you have seen on my social media that I've been working on fundraising and awareness for the trans youth of Mississippi this week. Why Mississippi? Great question. I'd love to tell you. One of our students is from Mississippi and heavily involved in advocacy for trans youth there. And there is a bill that has passed their House of Representatives criminalizing trans health care for minors that will become law probably very soon. There is also a growing anti-trans sentiment in this country that doesn't make a lot of sense. People say that they are dangerous or groomers. The thing is, friends, this is all scare tactics. It's not real. Trans people are overwhelmingly more likely to be the victims of violence than the perpetrators. And horrifyingly, these kinds of laws that supposedly protect kids put kids at risk of violence and abandonment simply because their parents or peers think that they're gay or trans, whether or not they even are. And there's this narrative that kids are getting massive elective surgeries. They're not. They just want to live their lives. What trans youth need and can get are things like puberty blockers, which are entirely reversible, hormone therapy, also reversible, psychologists to talk about whatever pain that they are carrying with them, and, and honestly, mostly what they want and need is for us to use their names and pronouns. That's it. Did you know that simply using a trans person's chosen name and pronouns of any age significantly reduces their chance of self-harm and suicide? Not a little bit significantly. One student said, it's not fair that we have to fight just to live. Letting them be who they are, letting them live their lives, literally saves their lives. Don't we want that? Jesus himself said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This from Jesus is what we mean when we say choose life. Saving anyone's actual life and welcoming them into a life abundant. Abundant life, not scarce life, not narrow life, not just surviving, not just being alive. Thriving. 
Remember my favorite word? Spaciousness. God is inviting us, commanding us even, to choose that which brings space and wholeness and growth and transformation. Honestly, that sounds great. Who, who wouldn't choose life and blessings instead of curses and death? As it turns out, us a little bit. Story of Christianity, practically speaking, on the ground is so often about death. The story that we tell is so focused on what happens after we die, where we're going to go, why we go there, who else is going to be there, what we need to do to get there. We say Jesus tramples down death by death. The gates of hell cannot prevail. We don't spend a lot of time on the here and now. This passage is God saying, y'all, what are you doing? How are y'all treating each other this way? Have you forgotten how I gave you liberation in Egypt? How I made you in the first place? I gave you life. I made you out of mud to make your bodies my own breath in your lungs, and you spend your time making fun of other people's mud and ripping out their gardens. That's not what I made you for. When I asked the staff this week what this phrase, choose life, meant, someone, I don't remember who, said, choose life for whom? Precisely. It's not just for me or for you individually. Remember that scripture is almost always speaking in the plural, y'all. The kind of spaciousness that God has in mind, the fruitfulness of the Garden of Eden, the communal care of the year of Jubilee, that life is not limited to what I personally think is good or beautiful or what you personally think is good and beautiful. It means that we as a body make plans and set policy in such a way that everyone is able to choose their own abundant life. And choosing life means supporting your life choices when they're not what I would choose. Student Isaac uh, was watching me and another student, Quincy, on a hike. Uh, We were squealing over mushrooms, because that's a thing I do now. (laughs) He wasn't particularly interested in the mushrooms, but he was delighted by our delight. This is choosing life. When folks out in the world share their pain about racism or ableism or their fear of assault or attack, and we listen, that's choosing life. Choosing life for them, which in turn offers life back to us. The Aboriginal peoples of Australia have this wonderful saying, if you have come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up in mine, let's work together. This, too, is choosing life. Our willingness to choose in favor of other people, even when we don't understand it, is everything. I don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. And we're not meant to. This sermon, this reading, isn't about a clear, like, bullet-pointed list for how to choose life. That would be so great if we had one of those. It's about a question. What brings life in this moment? If I may, I would like to suggest Gomez Adams as an avatar for choosing life. From the Adams family? Great. Okay, good. Hear me out. (laughs) From a friend of mine online. The real trick to it is falling madly in love with literally everything. Gomez Adams isn't just madly in love with his wife, Morticia. He's madly in love with his house, 
with his train set, with his kids, with his brother, with his weird normal neighbors, with literally everything. Different kinds of love for each, but love all the same. For having such morbid tastes, Gomez is madly in love with life. That's how you land Morticia, by being unapologetically and madly in love with everything around you. Submit him for sainthood. (laughs) I will submit that that's how you really follow Jesus. That's how we choose life. That's how we find amazing community. It's about learning to fall in love with everything. In the words of uh, one of our mystics in the church, God is infinite love, infinitely giving itself away in our very lives. I say that again. God is infinite love, infinitely giving itself away in our very lives. That expansive, infinite love brings a larger vision, leads us and others beyond ourselves. That expansive, infinite love can show up just in allowing someone to get in front of you in line or in advocating for social change. It can be in how you love your spouse and how you love the planet. We are called to choose in every moment that which is life-giving, generative, beautiful, compassionate, abundant, spacious. And we're called to reject that which deals death, that which prevents beauty and compassion, that which is scarce and narrow. What does choosing life mean here at Good Shepherd? What are we falling in love with here? I imagine there's a level at which many of us have fallen in love with Pastor Lauren, who's coming in March, and the idea of what's new, what's coming. It's very exciting. He's going to bring new things, new directions, new support for things that we're already doing. It's going to be amazing and probably a little awkward. He's going to challenge us in ways that we don't expect yet, in ways that open us up to God working I have said this before, I'm falling in love with the Edge House and our students every day. People ask me all the time how we're doing three weeks now after Carolyn's death. It's really hard. But y'all, they are doing what I and we have been teaching them for 13 years. They are supporting each other and me. They're laughing and crying and missing her and creating new things every day. Choosing life with them means considering expanding the edge house for people with mobility issues, which we're doing. Means finding funding for a full-time assistant, which we're working on. Means cooking for them and listening to them and taking them seriously. And it changes you and them when you choose that life with them. The little ones at Taft Elementary... We open our hearts to them in so many ways. The journals, the Christmas program, the regular volunteers. It changes us, right? We expand. And being there means that our collective eyes are open to questions bigger than that. Of poverty and systemic injustice. The implications of our presence with those kids include things like how we respond to the city budget and how it works or doesn't work for their school about how the criminal justice system is part of their everyday lives. Falling in love with those kids means choosing their whole life. Scott Putoff is in love with French Park. 
not just for himself, but for his grandkids. Kevin Seale and I uh, imagine Ken Holt, wherever he is, is in love with creating beauty and practices loving his neighbors and his enemies. A friend of mine, when I asked online about choosing life, said that she, as a recent widow, is choosing life by not wallowing in her grief. It means listening to our ADHD and autistic friends info dump about something they're excited about without impatience. I love a good info dump, not gonna lie. <laughs> I have a friend who struggles with chronic depression and who said that their meditation practice, while it's not magic, puts them in touch with something bigger than themselves, life as opposed to death. Another said when someone had them over and made pork chops, they ate the pork chops rather than refuse and insult their hosts. Still another friend says it's lending their voice and standing up for something bigger than they are. It is life. You may notice that none of these things is easy. Choosing compassion or silliness or attention is a practice, is a choice. Choose life. We may have to give something up or be uncomfortable in order to give that gift of our love, but practice makes it easier. Just like practicing violin or, I don't know, your tennis backhand, practicing falling in love with each other gets easier the more we do it because we're choosing it. So what life are you choosing today? One of our students who has been struggling said to me, this community is the first real family I've had. You are my chosen family. And I said back to him, we may be your chosen family, but we chose you too. I want to leave you with a blessing that we use at Nosh sometimes. Life is short. We have too little time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. It is not your responsibility to finish the work, but neither are you free to desist from it. So be swift to love and make haste to be kind. And may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother, Lover, and Friend, Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier be with you this day and always. Amen.